Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. It might look a little different this time because I am your new host, Mary O'Connell. Sydney Edwards is taking over the point of sale newsletter writing. So you guys are now with me. We are still bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is this the coolest show in freight, but there is also a Running on Ice newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, there, let's get into some headlines. Amazon reached an agreement with lenders on an $8 billion unsecured loan. The e-commerce and logistics giant announced that the term loan will mature in 364 days with an option to extend for the same period. Meanwhile, an internal memo that was released publicly by Amazon CEO Andy Jassy said that the number of employees affected by the layoffs will ultimately be over 18,000. Jassy added that several teams are being affected by the pullback, but the majority are in the firms, stores, and people experience and technology organization. The cuts represent one of the largest rounds of layoffs in history. It's also the largest headcount reduction among tech companies announcing layoffs at the moment. Ecovatus is relied upon by global supply chains, financial institutions, and public organizations to monitor and to improve the sustainability performance of their businesses and trading partners. It recognized Tower Cold Chain's achievements during the 2020 of securing ISO 14001 and 45001 certification in environmental management and occupational health and safety, respectively. And Ecovatus Silver Medal is awarded to the top 25% of companies in quality for the company's sustainability management system at the time of the assessment. Iceland Foods, the grocery store, is helping shoppers kickstart their healthy journey this year with a new range of nutritious meals. The, but the price range has been hotly debated. My protein brand meals are dropping in stores despite their rather good intentions behind the new range of meals. Many shoppers have taken to social media to complain about the prices of some of these products. The My Protein brand meals are almost double the store brand in some cases for the exact same food. Many are saying it's cheaper to make these items themselves or purchase that them or purchase the store brand. Today, we are joined by Alan Ruber, Vice President of Modal Operations at Redwood Logistics. We are talking about all things technology trends in the cold chain. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to get into this. You are the first guest that I have on the new Running on Ice. Um, but before we dive into that, let's get a little bit of a brief background uh, of you and your your life in the cold chain world. Sure, sure. Yeah, I went to uh, school to study business, so logistics was not on my radar at all. And um, that's usually after, how it happens. Yeah, you, I don't think it's on many people's radar. Probably I don't know, half or, or maybe thirty percent. But um, after college, I played in the NFL for a little bit, um, played for the Arizona Cardinals and the Cincinnati Bengals for about five years. And in 2008, um, took a little time off and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, through a buddy, just was introduced to logistics and jumped right into temp controlled freight and was shipping mostly protein back then. And then it ended up just being pretty much anything you put on a refrigerated truck and uh, or trailer, I should say. And um just, you know, pharmaceuticals to aerospace resins and, um, you know, all that. And then ended up um, at Redwood shortly after and started, you know, created the temp control division here. And it's just been, uh, you know, full steam ahead. 
I feel like we all have that one friend that like, oh, I have a job that, you know, you can, so you can just, you know, work in for a little bit until you figure out what you want to do. And then you're in logistics for the rest of all time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of grabs you and there's a problem to be solved every single day and it keeps you, uh, it definitely keeps you plugged in. And that's, I've certainly enjoyed it. It's, it does. Yeah. It definitely keeps you on your toes. Not every day is the same. same. Um, right. Speaking of not every day being the same, what's some of the, what's the number one trend that you see kind of uh, happening and emerging in the cold chain space in 2023? Yes, we're seeing probably automation is number one. And that's certainly not new. I mean, it's, it's been something that people have been talking about for years now, but it's definitely um, one of the big ones. Um, going green is a big trend. Um, we're seeing a lot of new construction. So I'd say those are probably the big three. Going back to being green, we're seeing uh, just tons of solar hitting um, the cold storage space, creating you know much more um, efficient and um, a lot less energy consumption there um, in emissions, of course, as well. And, and leading into that too is, is automation. And it's, it, it's crazy what we're seeing right now. It's, I was just talking to someone today about, um, and there's an automated, um, well, there's multiple automated facilities now, but um, there's one in um, Kansas that it's fully automated. There's not an employee in the warehouse. They don't even have lights to turn on in the warehouse. I mean, I'm sure they have lights, but they're not turned on. Um, and so it's just, it's just wild. And um, there's just machines in there picking up and putting pallets in racks and taking them out. And it's, it's just, uh, I feel like it's, I guess a machine doesn't need light to see because like, right. I mean, I would think you would need, it would need light for like the camera to know where things are. But I mean, I guess it doesn't, if it just has like the, maybe it's, I don't know how it's doing it, but that is, that's probably the coolest thing that I've heard. Right. Yeah. Infrared sensors would be my guess. I don't know that detail of it, but I would guess infrared sensors are probably moving the machines around and they're scanning barcodes and there's probably, you know, points that they see. And it's, it's just wild. There's actually a pretty cool video. I'm looking for it online uh, um, that just kind of shows you the life of the pallet going through um, the warehouse and the automation is wild. That would be insanely cool. Uh, if you find that, you should post that on LinkedIn and uh, tag everyone because everyone needs to see it. It's super cool. We love automation. And, the, and you know, it's, we're in the 2023. It's the year that we're improving things, getting our visibility, you know, just entering the technology and letting it work for us as well as opposed to, you know, trying to do things a manual way. Not that manual is bad, but if we can do more with less, that's the way to go. Right. It certainly saves money and it creates some major efficiencies. Yeah, we love, which everybody loves. Um, so we, you kind of, I guess, touched on this a little bit. Um, do you see a world where AI and machine learning kind of work together and improve efficiency in the warehouse? Is it kind of, is the end goal going to be that um, that warehouse that doesn't really have an employee working except for maybe one to come service the robots? That I know that sounds crazy to say, but do you think that um, that's kind of the future everybody's working towards? Or do you just kind of see small incremental changes that you think machine learning and AI will be able to help with? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that everyone's working towards it, but I think it's inevitable. And we're definitely started down, we've started down that path. That, that warehouse I was mentioning you, and there's some in London now, I believe, or England has some, and, and there's multiple across the United States, but they there are already warehouses that only have robots in them. And they're, with when you talk about the AI piece, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to probably have things that we can't even fathom right now. I mean, have you seen any of the, um, the AI art that's going around right now? It's just kind of 
Yes, I actually got got one of those. There's like a filter that exists that you can just like do on like Instagram or something like that. It's just an AI filter that comes in and like makes your face all different. It's so cool. It's so weird. Right. And and so that's kind of my point about we we can't even fathom what's coming because I would have never thought three years ago, three months ago that AI is going to be making art. Like it doesn't even really, those don't mix, right? Like how, how creative is art? Exactly. Like one of the, probably the most creative things we could do. And all of a sudden now we have computers doing it. It's just mind boggling. But um, I, I think, you know, I think we're going to see probably um, in the beginning, the most helpful things is probably going to be temp regulation and making sure that there's not temp abuse right now. We're manually, making sure that these warehouses are set up efficiently, that airflow is, um, you know, set up correctly so that we're not, we're not having too much energy to keep them to, um, to keep the product cold where we need it set or, you know, not using enough, of course, and heaven forbid we have temp abuse. So I think that's probably the first place we're going to see AI really um, have a, a decent impact. And that's just temperature regulations probably. And, 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 all the different things that come along with tracking that temperature with settings with, I'm sorry, with sensors throughout the warehouse. I think that would be insane. That's invaluable. Not even if we can just get it within a warehouse. So that way, you know, if there's a cooling unit failing or, you know, some part of that warehouse isn't, isn't cooling to the same spot that another part is. So I know, for example, in the middle of the summer, certain areas will be cooler and others will be warmer, usually by doors and vice versa in the wintertime. But if they could somehow figure out a way to put that technology on a trailer, so that way if I'm a driver and I know I'm 200 miles from my destination, but my reefer unit starts failing, I, I know it ahead of time where I can almost kind of pull over, see if I can tweak it or turn it off, turn it back on, however you fix it. Um, to before I get to that destination. So that way I know that, you know, I roll up and I'm not just like, oh, I don't know how long my reefer unit hasn't been working. They know exactly the same time because some of those things, some of the products that ship via refrigerated trailers, they can only be not refrigerated for so many times. Like I know, um, I know, for example, kegs of beer, their window is six hours. So if I know I'm two hours from my destination, my reefer unit failed, that product's not going to be damaged versus if I didn't know, then we've damaged out a whole trailer because we don't know we don't know where anything's gonna you know we don't know what temperature it was we don't know if it's spoiled or not right well with trailers we already have that technology the drivers can see if the trailer we call throwing a code if the trailer does have some type of malfunction we're already seeing that and the drivers can react uh, very quickly now when we're talking about warehousing and you had already mentioned it think about the drafts that you get in, a, in your home right um, obviously there's no windows and certainly a lot less doors but there are some there's definitely what we would call dead areas of airflow. And so finding those right now is a very manual thing as we add sensors and connect those to AI. I mean, I, I think that there's really going to be some efficiencies there to be gained. I am beyond excited about it. Cause I mean, you know, a warehouse is a warehouse. It's moving, it's living. You got to load, um, you got to load trailers. You got to have your dock doors open and you know, there's gaps in there. So that way, you know, if you have some extremely sensitive temperature freight, you know, to, maybe put that as far away from the from the loading dock as possible. And it kind of almost helps you strategize your warehouse to keep it more efficient and run better. Um, that being said, do you think some of these shippers are going to rely on some of these visibility tools? 
tools in regards to like trailer temps, warehouse temperatures? Um, do you think that a shipper will want to have that kind of full visibility into their warehouse situation of, oh, I know exactly where my freight is and the exact temperature it's being kept at before it goes on a truck? Absolutely. And we're already starting to see it. It is relatively new and that our customers are requesting this information, but we are absolutely seeing it. And it's starting to become more stream. Our customers are, they're requesting and, and in some cases demanding that they know where the product is at all times and where the, what the temperature setting is at all times. And there's some, actually some technology that's been around for a little while that, and I've got one here to show you. Actually, I grabbed one. I had, had to sit with this for a while. Um, if you can see, it's probably about the size of a deck of cards and it's got a SIM card. In yeah. It. And that that piece of tech is probably 15 bucks and it can communicate through cell towers where the truck is. And that's you know, pretty accurate. We can't get it down to the inch like a GPS system because they're tri triangulating uh, cell towers, but it's it's close. Right. And the temperature is exact. So it'll tell you the temperature. And, and as that temperature changes, you can create parameters for each individual load that if the temperature gets too low or too high, you can set warnings on. And we've actually integrated this technology in our TMS, uh, into our customers' TMS systems. We have a few customers that require this on every one of their loads and, and have done so um, for years, but now it's starting to become more, more mainstream. And then, and as that temperature um, potentially becomes too high or too low, they get sense, they get, there's a sensor that goes off, they can get an email, a text message or whatever, and, and a message in their TMS system. And then there's also a light sensor in there. So if someone breaks that seal and opens that trailer door before they're supposed to, they actually get a warning as well. So there's, which helps with contamination or potential contamination. So that technology is absolutely being requested from our customers. And, um, and, it, and as a, from a broker's point of view, we're going to have to use technology like that. From a, from a oh, asset absolutely. carrier it's, point of view. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, from an asset carrier point of view, this technology is already in some of these newer trailers to where they're actually through either satellite or through cellular technology, they're sending that data in real time so that you can see where the truck is at all, all times and you can see what the temperature setting is in, a, you know, in multiple sensors in that trailer, what temperature your return air is, what temperature your supply air is. You can see the ambient temperature outside, which is helpful if you all of a sudden see a little bit of your return air warming up well what's going on well oh, we're in the desert right now it's 110 degrees that makes sense what's going on there yeah i think it's kind of it's the day and age it's what i like to fondly refer to as the amazon problem where amazon has or your small parcel they have said you'll know exactly where your shipment is at any time so if i know where a hair dryer is coming to my house shippers are kind of starting to wonder like well why can't i do that on a larger scale with some of my own stuff that i have so i think it's only going to be more and more common and more and more demands from a shipper that they have these visibility tools where you know i can click on a load and I can know almost exactly where it is. Like you said, it might not be the within the inch, but I know the general area. So if I know that, you know, my shipments two hours, three hours, five hours away, I know, I just know where it is. And that way, if anything goes wrong, again, it's just those, it's those little, not little, it's those big visibility tools that I think are only going to be more and more demanding from a shipper because anyone who's not adapting and, you know, um, providing these visibility tools, I think overall their business will start to suffer as we head into 2023 and beyond, because I honestly don't know a single shipper that doesn't want um, strong visibility tools. 
Right. Food safety is number one. And these customers want to know where their product is at all times and what the temperature was while it was there. Yeah. I mean, it's so much of that is I've even seen, I've seen a load that was supposed to be fresh, um, not frozen um, chicken breasts that were supposed to be arrive at a certain temperature. Well, they arrived, they arrived frozen and they sent us a picture with a pitchfork sticking in this hunk of chicken where that was frozen and that was basically all spoiled. And so uh, thankfully they were able to, you know, repurpose it into some large animal feed, but it was supposed to originally be for human consumption and it was supposed to be a fresh chicken. So that was, I can't even tell you how many thousands of dollars of product wasted, but if they had known that the the freezer had got their refrigerator had gotten too cold, you know they could have prepared for it or they could have done something before an entire shipment of chicken breast was frozen solid. Right. Yeah. So as soon as you see that temperature get below twenty five degrees, with this kind of technology, you'd actually see that immediately and be able to tell that driver we need to adjust the temperature setting on that reefer unit and there would have been there never would have been an issue and we would have you know waste is so if you we have so much waste and, that, and that's going to be one of the deficiencies that this kind of technology will be able to help with but you said that like little sim card thing has been around for you said 15 years no not quite right. um probably okay i've had this thing sitting on my desk since probably 2015 2014 so it's been it's been so around, it's been I would minute. say, it's, yeah, it's been a minute. So is it something that like is proprietary to Redwood or is it something that like most of the industry is using and like, why don't you feel like, does like, are more people not adopting it? It's a good question. There's, I know for a fact, multiple customers, multiple um, companies carry these. So this one happens to be Locust Tracks, which is an Emerson product. I know Sensatech, which is probably the leading name. I don't know, the, I don't have the numbers on it, but I think they're probably the leading name in that, um, in that. Uh, segment, but they ha- they also have their own product that has a SIM card in it as well, and it um, it tracks location, temperature, and I believe they even have a light sensor in theirs. So there's multiple people that have products like that. I would say there's probably three at least that I'm aware of, and in our um, but yeah. So when we we just simply when I was talking about with Redwood, we have integrated this for our customers into their TMS systems. And why are people not? I think that, why are like, people not using it? That's a great question. Yeah. I think it comes down to cost. And maybe not understanding that this product even exists, but $18 a load, $20 a load, $15 a load, whatever it ends up being, um, I guess it adds up. But again, for food safety, it's an expense that I think most customers- I was going to say, is it, does it add up more than claims for damaged and wasted food products? Like to me, that is like, it's kind of like the upfront cost offsets the back end paperwork of having lost products, having to pay claims, having to pay someone to go through all those claims. Sure. Like it's just, it's a lot. Right. Well, and that's one of the neat things that we can do at Redwood and that's be able to, because I think a lot of a lot of people understand this exists. They're actually using a lot cheaper product that doesn't have the cellular uh, technology in it, and that when you get to the when you get to the receiver when they unload you, they actually check it to make sure there isn't temp abuse. Well, that's great, and that's protecting people right now. So um, that's helpful. The problem is it's still allowing for the waste, right, and the claims as you mentioned. So. Um, I think it's just one more thing that they might have to check as well. And that's, that's where, when we talked about technology earlier in this, in this conversation, as we integrate those things and allow it to be easier to view and make sure that data, just getting that data in the right hands in an efficient amount of time, that's where, that's where these things are going to become very streamlined. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, 
it's going to be just who can, who, can we get it to the right person? The, the, the classic logistics problem of, can we get this problem to the right person to have it get solved? I mean, that's, I feel like that's right. what half the battle is. Absolutely. Um, so we are running a little low on time, but before we let you go, I do want to know what are you kind of most excited about? Like, aside from some of the AI stuff that you had talked about earlier, what are some of the most like exciting things to you that you're, um, most optimistic that could either improve things within the supply chain, reduce waste, or, um, you know, just be a fun new thing that can improve everybody's quality of life? Well, I guess I would answer that with, we're expecting the cold storage market to grow almost triple worldwide, okay? And in, within the I United States- I have seen so many reports saying the similar thing. Yes, yes. And it's not quite triple, but almost. In the United States, we'll probably see close to doubling, right? Because we are we already have the most cold storages um, per capita in, in the world, right? In, in North America. So um, the exciting thing for me probably is, is that we're going to see- a lot of that development, a lot of that creation of, of cold storage facilities in developing countries. So places that just don't have access to it, right? So with that comes um, savings in um, emissions because we're, we're not gonna have to ship product quite as far. Where it's produced, we'll be able to store, right? It'll be able to be stored right where it's produced. And we won't have to be shipping this stuff across the world. And um, uh, incredible savings. And then, of course, people are going to have access to food that they've never really had access to. And it's going to be safer because it's going to be kept at the proper temperature. Um, so that's probably what's the most exciting of, the, of what's, what we see in the I... next 10 years or so. I am 100% on board for that. I am also excited for that. I mean, I feel like it's such great opportunities, especially in some of those maybe developing countries that, you know, they're going to have access to it. It's going to provide additional jobs. It's going to improve quality of life for people. It's really just going to be be better. And also, it's not going to hurt that it's going to reduce some of those carbon emissions, reduce all that stuff that's going to that is coming down the pipeline that, you know, shippers are going to have to start reducing some of their um, emissions, they're going to have to start tracking some of that. It's going to just only benefit everyone that, oh, if I don't have to send something from New York to, you know, the Middle East, that if I don't have to pay for the, or if I don't have to offset that carbon emissions, if I just have a facility there that can already do half of that, that's, you know, already, that's already, you know, reducing that carbon footprint. That's already a quick win that I can do that I'm not going to have to, you know, come up with some carbon offset for that. So I'm very excited for the sustainability front within cold chain, because there's a lot of people really diving into that and doubling down on that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild decade or so for the industry. Absolutely. I feel like the entire transportation industry, not just cold chain, has kind of all of a sudden gotten the tech upgrade that it needed. Like in the last five to 10 years, it just kind of went from being Excel emails and phone calls to all of a sudden, no, you don't have to do that. Like it got the, it got the tech makeover that all the other industries have gotten. Um, but it just finally got its turn. So it's like skipping a bunch of steps and growing and, you know, saving time and energy for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I think the industry as a whole has come a long way, um, and it's still there's still a lot to be done. But it is exciting to see um, the growth and the move towards being uh, just adding the technology to our everyday um, life. I mean, we we have a pretty exciting tool how we can we can price product for our or we can price loads for our customers without ever touching it, right? So it just comes through an API tool, it automatically gets priced, and then the customer, if we if if it's priced correctly, they tender over the load. And then we actually have set up 
our carriers um, with, an, with a basically a one-click accepting process where they get an email from that with that tender. And they can say yes or no, they want it for that day and that time. And then that tender gets sent to them. So we've created this automated process where we've priced it, we've received it, the load was built automatically in our TMS system. And then it was in some cases tendered out automatically to the carrier and a human never touched it. So that's really, you know, just, just a small the tip of the iceberg of some of the exciting stuff that's going on and how we're adding tech to our everyday logistics lives. As someone who has spent many hours um, sending the load to like a whole bunch of different people, getting getting responses back and then, you know, siphoning out, figuring out what's the best price, going back to someone, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I am very happy that those tools exist so that way no one else has to waste an hour of time like I did um, going through everything to make sure that it's like that we get the best deal. Um, so if someone wants to hit you up on their cold chain, um, are your hot take on predictions, where can they find you outside of the show? Um, I'm on LinkedIn and a Ruber at redwoodlogistics.com. Awesome. You guys heard it here first. You know how to get a hold of man with the cold answers. Um, but that's going to be it for our first show of 2023. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice here on Freightwaves TV or YouTube, anywhere your podcast, such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you need more Running on Ice news, subscribe to Running on Ice uh, for on Freightwaves.com slash Running on Ice. See you on the internet.